Legion of Dogs, your free resource for multi-dog living. Hi, everybody. Jade and I are here with our friend Amanda from Paws on Training. We're going to talk about her multi-dog household and what how she trains. Amanda, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi there. So I am a dog trainer here in Calgary. Um, I teach classes at Hightails and then I have my own business, which you mentioned, Paws On Training. I initially got into dog training after my husband and I actively got involved in the sport of weight pull, competing with my previous Old English Bulldog, Riddick. We moved on from competing into helping train newcomers into that sport. And we run into a lot of interesting dogs. Um, in weight pull, we attract a lot of bully breeds and a lot of dogs that have reactivity. So that kind of piqued my interest into more training. And then we ourselves got a second dog to be my husband's sport dog. She's a Connie Corso named Ripley. And um, Ripley has a lot of confidence issues and fear reactivity. And so in learning best to help her, that began my journey into studying dog behavior. I've done a number of seminars in aggression, reactivity, and also some courses on fear and impulsivity and reactivity, as well as with Ripley, I took um, classes in using the BAT 2.0 training method. I always loved kind of human psychology, and I had studied that in school before, and then was amazed to find out how much that relates back to dog behavior and dog training. So it just kind of was a fit for me. Currently, I'm working towards my IAABC certified dog trainer accreditation. My biggest strengths are probably working with dogs that have over arousal, um, impulse control and reactivity. I also still do a ton of dog sports. I love them. And I find that skills that I've learned in the sport world have helped me a lot with behavior issues, like learning how to build engagement with your dog. So you can really teach them to focus on you, especially when you're doing that, some of that engaged, disengaged stuff. And also remembering to have fun while you're working on doing the desensitization and counter conditioning so that you keep that balance with your dog. Riddick, my, my first bulldog has now passed away and I now have a two-year-old old English bulldog puppy named Draken, who I still compete in weight pull, rally O and a bite sport called PSA with. And we still have Ripley. She's retired from the bite sport, but does the other sports. And we're kind of like trying to keep her active to keep her reactivity down and that's kind of who I am and what we're doing. So how long have you had a multi-dog household? So it's been about six years. Ripley's just over six so we had we, we became a multi-dog household when we got Ripley. And what made you want to get Ripley? So Riddick was really bonded to me our first dog and my husband did weight pull with him to kind of create the bond but my husband's a big dude and my bulldog is really short. <laughs> so we wanted to get him his own sport dog. And that's how we were looking at different breeds that fit the sports that we wanted to do. And um, we kind of came along to the Corso and that's how we got Rip. So when you had Riddick and Ripley, how did they get along? How did that work? So for the first two, almost two years, it wasn't too bad. We were worried at first because Riddick is a typical bulldog. He's pretty tenacious and forward and he could be a little bit overpowering when I would play him with dogs outside of the family. And so we weren't sure how it was going to be for him getting a second dog. He took it in stride and she did well at first, but um, about the point that she was turning two, that's when we were starting to see her really struggle with her reactivity. And she hit a heat just before she turned two. And when she hit that heat, 
um, she decided she hated Riddick. And so then we became a fighting home and had to look at management and all of that stuff that we've been working on ever since. So what kind of strategies did you implement with Riddick and Ripley? So it was quite the journey at first. We kept trying to um, keep them together. So I, I think we did some things that maybe we found didn't work. We tried to break them apart with water and air horns and, you know, try to control that. So we thought that they, cause they could get along and Riddick was very good about, he would never instigate anything. So I could trust him to be with her. It would just be all of a sudden she would kind of get into it. And then when we realized that the stress was too much for her and she was really struggling, we changed to a management plan. And so we went on crate and rotate and we were lucky in that, like I said, Riddick, even with the fights they had, he, it never changed him in wanting to continue to fight with her. So we were able to crate and rotate sometimes. Um, well, Riddick could be out. We would just separate parts of our house. Ripley would be crated or out, but Riddick could be in one half of the house or the other half and be free. And then if we wanted to have what we would consider family time, we were able to put Ripley on leash and she would just stay on the couch with my husband and Riddick could be free roaming because he would never go instigate with her. He could just go outside or come sit with me and we were able to manage it that way and that worked better for us. So that kind of brings us to the sad part of the story. So Riddick passed away. I'm not going to get Amanda all, all emotional. <laughs> it was an unexpected um, yes. thing. And yes. what I want to know from you is you were deciding now to add another dog again. So what yes. kind of things did you think about? Even though Riddick was a shock loss, thankfully I had already been thinking a little bit about it. I wasn't expecting it to happen when it did, but um, I knew that we were at some point, he was nine, so I knew he was getting up there. So we had been thinking about how were we going to deal with this because we knew we were going to want another dog because I wanted my own sport dog and I love the doing all the things. So it was really important to me to look for a breeder that focused on temperament because I knew it was going to be really key to have a dog that had a solid temperament come into the home because I didn't a want them to be affected by Ripley's issues and also if there was any chance that we could do things together with them, like we came to the conclusion that we were comfortable living in a management situation, no matter what. And I think that's a hard step for a lot of people because management does really alter your life when you have a dog that, <laughs> or it can, and it can feel like that. Like it kind of felt like we could never have company over and stuff. And we've grown on that, but so we wanted to make sure we had that covered when we were looking at getting another dog and that we were going to be comfortable still having that management in our lives so we talked a lot about that side of it and also a lot about getting a dog with the right temperament to bring them into the home so that and that we could be fair to this new puppy that we could give it the life that it deserved and have time and still manage with both dogs i think you should bring up to the fact that like you work at a dog kennel <laughs> yes do you have more flexibility than most people i do i am lucky in that regard um and ironically like I'm lucky that we work I work in a dog kennel because yes I can bring my dogs to work with me so I can have it, it fits now because I work half a day at work and half a day at home but when we first got the puppy I was it was COVID and so I was all at home and so I was able to continue the routine I built from the get-go would you guys like me to explain my daily routine with the dogs because I think that's helpful for people yeah, yeah. so 
how it starts is my husband and I go to work about the same time. So we get up in the morning. He gets up first. He takes Ripley upstairs, our Corso. She, um, she has breakfast and has potty time and all of that and has about 20 minutes. And then once everything is done for her, she goes in her kennel. And then I come up with Draken and he gets breakfast and then he goes outside. And if I was working from home that day, he's allowed out. It's his out time. If I'm taking him to work, then we go to work. And then he, if I'm working mostly in my office that day, he's out in my office. So he gets to wander around the office and greet everybody and has his out time. And then it's usually around one o'clock, one thirty is our flip. So when I was working from home, Draken was so used to this routine. I would have my office door open while I was working and he's wandering. He would inevitably be passed out in his kennel already. <laughs> he would just come into my <laughs> office and go sleep. And so then he goes into his kennel and, or if I come home from work, he, he goes right into his kennel and then Ripley comes out and has the afternoon till dinner time out. And so then she gets her enrichment time and visits and all of that. So at dinner time, Ripley gets fed first. She gets to go in her kennel, eat, come back out, do her business. And then she goes into the kennel for about two and a half hours. And then Draken gets fed and he gets couch time with both of us. And then it's usually around eight o'clock, 8.30. Draken knows that's his bedtime. And sometimes I go to bed with him and I just do my reading or whatever at that point. Sometimes I'll stay up and he just goes to bed and then Ripley gets her time out and she's super bonded to my husband. So that's why some nights I let her just hang out with my husband and other nights it's both of us and that's their routine and they know it so well. You can just be like, okay, it's dinner time. Go to your kennel. Like they just know like, and I think that is comforting to them because they know it so well. And then you have training activities and stuff yeah. on top of that. So that's our general, like if we have a night of not training, but Tuesday and Wednesday nights, both dogs do sports. So we're not home. So then, then they're out act, doing their active sports. And also Saturday for about five hours, we're at dog training too. So they they're and they're good. They can be kenneled side by side in my vehicle <laughs> and stuff. And, uh, even, and that was a funny part, even when Riddick was around, Ripley could tolerate him beside her in the vehicle, even though we couldn't leave them out together in the home. So Ripley's a unique character all on her own anyway. <laughs> She reminds me a lot of someone I live with. <laughs> My version is much smaller, though. Yes. <laughs> so your puppy, how old is he now? He'll be two in March. And did you get a male purposefully because yes. your last one was a male? Is your Corso better with opposite sex? Um, I, I, We've never tried her with a female, but I think it was safer to me to... Um, get a male just knowing the corso breed sometimes girls can really be problematic like i have friends that have corsos and they find that is a more problematic having more than one female around and partly too sport wise i prefer boys <laughs> i'm the opposite of jade she likes girls i prefer boys i like boys too <laughs> yeah. outnumbered at the moment yeah <laughs> well we just um, found especially with the pressure sports that we do girls are just especially when ripley was still intact she's she's more sensitive and she struggled more so I just the boys don't seem to go through as much emotions <laughs> so is your goal with your young dog to have them have him out like you did with Riddick or do you think he has the right temperament or maturity for that I think we might get there we've done it we did do it at first when they were when he was younger and because he would sleep better 
Um, he, I could knew his times when he was quiet. So then I would put him on leash too um, and have him on the couch and have them out together. But as he got a bit bigger and older and he's awake more, he's, he struggled to understand to like hang out and chill. <laughs> he wanted to be a little more involved. So right now I'm not so worried about it. We were lucky Riddick was five when we got Ripley. So he was seven when the problem started really bad. And he was like, I'm a couch potato. I don't care. Like I just, whatever I do. I, and I, it would be my dream if they could actually be out together in the house, but I don't know that Ripley's space bubble will ever allow for that. And I, I think I've noticed with Drake and she's less stressed. And I, I sometimes wonder if it was a little too much for her and we didn't pick up on that when we used to do where she would be on the couch with my husband on leash and Riddick was free because her personality has changed a lot in the last um, two years since Riddick passed and we got Drake in. And so I don't know if that's partly her maturing or partly because his temperament's slightly different and we handle things slightly different because it's always kind of a learning thing with us too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You did do a dog to dog yes. with them. So they can hang out in neutral spaces. They can play. She still has her moments. My best way to describe Ripley is I don't think it's ever about trying to attack the other dog. She doesn't have dog aggression. She likes to be in control of the situation. So she will go and get over top of and squish the other dog. <laughs> and then she plays there and wants to hold them there. And like, so I'm like, as, as any other poor dog with this 120 pound mastiff on them, I don't blame them for not being comfortable, but that's her MO. That's kind of how she works. So we can interrupt that with Draken and he's good. He doesn't, my other bulldog was like, oh, you want to fight game on Dre's not like that. He's like, I would prefer you not do this. And how about we just go play? So he's really good about going away and offering play and reading her. And I have found in the last two years, her wanting to engage with him. So at first when he was home and it was her time out, I would baby gate my office so she could see me, but she couldn't come in. Now I can let her in and she'll go up and sniff his kennel and check him out and want to see what he's about and be fine with it. Where before with Riddick, it would be a barking fest. She's different with him. So we're still trying. I even over Christmas, my husband was away and she was really engaged in sniffing his kennel. So I opened the door to see if maybe they could hang out in the house. But unfortunately, it didn't. Once we got in the living room and um, he jumped on the couch beside me, she decided she needed to like squash him and control him. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to just separate this because I don't want it to blow into anything major. But I think it's a, something that I haven't completely given up on. But I, I'm very careful how I try those introductions still with them in spaces where I know it's tight for her because she has what I would call a very big space bubble. So like if we're at Hightails and we're in the training center, I can totally let them play and they'll run around and have a good time and be okay with each other. But in our home, I think it's just a little too tight. And when you say they play, do you mean like they wrestle and play chase games or they yeah. kind of, okay, good. Yeah, they, they, they don't, she doesn't handle super amounts of wrestling well. I think that kind of is, so he gets a little bit footy with her. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's like, no, but she'll chase, she really likes to chase and get the zoomies and they play that way. And they can, I can, which shocked me, I can play with a toy. Like I can throw a Frisbee or a ball and they can both interact and I don't end up with trouble. That's really nice. Yeah. 
Because sometimes toys can take the pressure off dogs. Yeah. Mind if you don't have toy resource guarding. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, Ripley is a bit of a resource guarder, like when she, or she was with Riddick, but never like overtly growly crazy about it. She just would hoard everything and want it. And Riddick was, <laughs> this is where Riddick was funny in his day. Rip, if he had a toy when Ripley was a puppy, she could just come take it away from him and he'd never do anything about it. And I think that's where we made a bit of a mistake because we were just like, oh, haha, he's really chill, not realizing kind of what she was doing. <laughs> and that maybe we could have caught some of her behavior problems a little sooner. Um, just missing, misunderstanding what was going on there a bit. I've learned a lot since then. <laughs> and that's pretty normal puppy behavior. Like that's yeah. not an abnormal thing for a puppy to go steal toys. And no, we, no. we, with our dogs who have big feelings about things, we know that that's not something that we typically let them rehearse. Um, right. <laughs> not in my house either now, yeah. um, but I yeah. have done that in the past too. Sounds like you got a really nice system going that works for you and it works for the dogs yeah and I think that was the key it, it took us a while to figure it out but I, I think it's important people know that it's very possible and like my house has a lot of crates in it because <laughs> we have different levels but we're now at the point where we know Ripley well enough that I don't feel like I can't have people over I know how to make her comfortable I can take her into our bedroom in the basement and she can have you know a bully stick or whatever and hang out in her crate and she's calmed down enough because before her reactivity, I was worried she would just sit there and bark and stress because she heard people where now she's not at that level. So we can have that life, I guess, as you want to call it again, because I think a lot of people get hung up on crate and rotate. Like when you have a reactive dog, you can't, you get stuck in the home and you're scared to have people over. And we've learned how to work through that. That's awesome. Uh, Amanda, you have what a lot of people would think of as stronger breeds. Yes. You know, the Corso and the Bulldogs, they're um, quite tenacious often. And yes. the sports that you participate in aren't known for a lot of um, attracting a lot of positive trainers. Right. So with all of the conflict at home that you've worked through and the strategies you've taken, how do you personally cope with pressure that you might feel from your colleagues or peers when that maybe that they would treat or train the dogs in a different way than you're choosing to? It's definitely a challenge and I, you know, I'm always learning too. Like I came from a correction background. Jade knows this, like my original dog 20 years ago, that's what everybody did. She was trained on a prong collar. It was a shepherd, you know, but I knew like when we were struggling and learning with Ripley that those things, punishment was not going to work for her because, and I wish more <laughs> correction people would get this, that it doesn't make sense if a dog is afraid and you punish them for being afraid, all you're going to do is make that worse. Like it's the most basic thing to me. And so in the end, I think what drives me through all of this is I'm going to do what's best for my dog, no matter what anybody says. And so that taught me. And then with Draken, I've made a conscious effort to treat, I, he, to train him positively and sh and a part of me is like you guys can see that this can be done and I mean that to be fair to the club that I train with and everything 
they've grown over the years. Like it is a sport. I'm not going to say like there's correction out there, but I kind of like, I'm not here to change the world. Although I think like I'm, I want them to see my dogs and see how well it works. And I hope people can learn from that. And I hope they see that. And I've seen our club grow and use so much more positive types of training. Like they've realized that if you want a dog that can think and isn't always in arousal and crazy drives, you need to balance their life and you need to work on some of these other skills that everybody kind of thought were weird at first, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great, great answer. Amanda and I have chatted about that one a bunch. Yes. <laughs> I think and- she's had the luxury too, uh, because she's done rally, um, yes. been exposed to different types of dog sport people too. Yeah. And I think to anyone with our, um, age demographic, if you've been round dogs a long time, we've all come from yeah. direction space. That's just the way it was done. Not me. Don't want me in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're I, that little bit older than you, Jade. So yeah, yeah Jade's like just a baby. Three years. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you came along just at the right time of that new movement. Like, you know, it's that amazing how that little 10 year difference or whatever is there. When I was, I love thinking, feeding dogs treats. I always have. <laughs> when I owned my first I had an Eskimo before that was um my friend said it would be easier to keep a list of people that in our circle that she didn't bite rather than take make a list of people that she did bite Um, (laughs) she would she just bit everybody I was a kid (laughs) (laughs) but um my first serious reactive dog um that was doing damage to people Mm -hmm. when I went for training with him positive trainers wouldn't take us because he had a bite history. The only trainers that would take him at that time were um, corrections-based trainers. And that was only, wait a minute. I think that was probably <laughs> close to 20 years ago. Now. <laughs> it feels like longer. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. Cause I could see that. Cause it would, it would have been about 20 years ago that I had my shepherd cross and I trained her in class at the Calgary humane society with a prong collar. Like it was still that much that world then, like everybody did then they were like choke chains and prong collars were every dog in that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, They transitioned not long after that, but it was, they were around that time period for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is the most important thing you've done for your dogs to help them transition into living together? Like, what do you think was the most effective thing that you did when you brought Drake in home? I think we was really key was keeping Ripley to as much of her routine as we could. I was really worried because any change to her routine affects her reactivity. So, I mean, obviously there's a change that there's a dog there and she has less time out, but we stuck all the other patterns the same. We kept her sports the same. We kept doing all the same things, the handling so that it, it wasn't like a big interruption that there was this puppy and we made sure that we introduced them outside of the home and that there was like treats involved and all that kind of things that you do anyway, when you like introduce maybe new dogs with parallel walking and stuff, we tried to stick to that stuff. So she had a chance to accept that this creature was now part of her life and, and, um, and do that sort of thing. Like everything in our world, I mean, not, I, I obviously raise my dog. I, I love him too, but we always Ripley's first and foremost in our mind because she's the dog that struggles the most. So we try to always think about her and how we do things for her so that we minimize her stress because when she's less stressed, she accepts things much better. 
like all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we try to set her up for as much success as possible and we've made mistakes. Like I accidentally got her a bite history (laughs) because I was, I feel like, well, it's not accidentally, I guess isn't the right word, but she's usually pretty good with people, women. She's better with than men, but she has insecurity. She has fear. She's muzzle trained. We were taking her to doggy Cairo and she's really good with the chiropractor, but her assistant was there that day and Ripley hadn't met her. And my husband and I were there and we brought her muzzle with us, but we didn't have it on because she'd been good and she was taking food and she struggled with the assistant. She was unsure of her and was barking at her a bit and then settled. And the assistant was feeding her treats and we thought it was okay. And then we kind of got into her session and the assistant moved and Ripley started barking and lunging. My husband had her and just the space to get out the doorway and kind of go out of the room. Like she realized she should probably leave the room. She quickly whipped out and that was enough. Ripley was quick and she launched and grabbed her arm and then let go right away. Like she didn't puncture. She didn't do that like any damage, but I think it was the fast movement and too close to her space that caused her to just, grab out and all I could think of was wow we're idiots we had the muzzle right here why didn't we have it on her like we totally I feel I feel like we failed her and so that taught me a lot too that incident about how to continuously set her up for success because if I had just put the muzzle on we wouldn't have had the bite history yeah and potentially too many people in such a confined space yeah like there was lots of things about that. That wasn't, you know, we, we were thinking she was more calm. Like, are we pushed her? I think more than we should have, like we, you know, just because you get, and this is, I think what happens with everybody when you talk about management and, and stuff is sometimes we get complacent because something hasn't happened. The dog's been really good for a while, but they still have that anxiety. They still have that in there. And so it reminded me not to let our guard down. Like, not that we have to be on eggshells, but we also have to think about how to be successful for her. For sure. Do you think there's positives to for Ripley with adding Draken? Yes, I do. Because like I said, she wants to engage with him. And I don't, I don't know all the things I wish dogs could talk that I could ask her these questions, <laughs> what we've done different. But since Draken has come into our home, she is a different dog. She, she is happier. She is more confident. And so I have to say some of that is because of Draken. And I think it's his temperament too. He is the most easygoing guy and loves all dogs. And then, well, you know, Jade, we use him at Hightails a lot with, with dogs we're not sure about and stuff. He can play with anyone. He can read anybody. And so I think that's helped her because I think she's lost some of the fear because I think some of the stuff she did with Riddick was actually rooted in fear of him, even though he wasn't like an aggressive or fighty dog, but he just had a different personality and he was very tenacious and very forward. And Dre's not that, which is kind of shocking for a bulldog. They always tend to be (laughs) a bit tenacious and forward, but he's, he's very, he's a very confident guy, but he's not like overly outwardly confident. And I think that's helped her a ton. Yeah. The right personality match is crucial. Yeah. Yeah, I have um, a similar thing at my house where my little American Eskimo is afraid of my male border collie. And mm-hmm. it sounds like a similar thing that you had with Riddick. Where yeah. it's my, my border collie's lovely. He's great. Yeah. He's extremely great with other dogs. For a border collie, he's a yeah. unicorn, but he is a lot. He yeah. moves quickly. He's got confidence enough for 12 dogs. 
and the Eskimo, he, he is afraid of him. Yeah. Even though he's never, he would never do anything. Yeah. And I think that's something we've actually learned to understand better since we've lost Riddick and seen changes in Ripley is that I think there was more fear going on than we clued into because she wasn't like showing huge fear body language, but we should have known by her need to want to control wherever he was, I think was coming more from fear than we realized. And Mm -hmm. it's the same thing, like even why she can't handle Draken in a smaller space. It's like, oh God, he's going to move. I don't know what he's going to do. I have to control this. And when they have open space and she sees he's just doing his own thing and he doesn't mean anything, then she's like, oh, you're kind of fun. I like you, you know? I think it's really admirable that you've gone through all this and that you're so structured and yet you've put these things in place for her because at 120 pounds, that's a lot of dog to have those big feelings. Yeah. And I'm in my house, my big feelings dog is only 17 pounds. Yes. That that makes a big difference. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's been easy all the time. She's a big girl and she's powerful. And then what do we do? We do a sport called weight pull where she is building even more muscle. Right? Like, so <laughs> we have this super athletic fit, 120 pound dog that has huge emotions about everything. So it, it's been a challenge and, you know, like, and that's where going back to our little conversation about correction tools, like. I don't even have the option to use one. Cause like, if I put a prong collar on her, she's so powerful. I can't make it do that. I couldn't make it do a correction. She just pulls, she can pull through anything. So for her with me, I use a head halter because that's the easiest way. I don't, and I don't, I don't need it like with the big dog and it's been learning. So learning all that stuff with her too, is learning how to handle a dog that size and that there's better tools out there and that, and thank God she is like supremely food motivated. So (laughs) that really helps too, because I can almost break anything with food. So, you know, like that, that we're lucky in that regard, um, with her size, because she can easily overpower me if she wants to. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about Draken. Yes. You've raised a really, really well-adjusted, intact male bulldog. (laughs) You don't hear people say that often. (laughs) In a home with a dog that has real big feelings. So what did you do for Draken? So for him, we taught him, like, we put him in a routine right off the bat. Because I did learn, I don't know if, like, I well, I think a lot of dogs like routine. But it was a thing Riddick really took to, too. So I knew, like, the bulldogs like that. They, they like routine. I learned that from Riddick. So we made sure um, to get Draken set up. And then I made sure from like the get-go that Dre and I were doing all, all the socialization stuff in the world that we could do. And some of that we weren't able to do for Ripley because she had a health issue really young. Um, but I wanted to get him out and exposed and around other dogs and experiencing life and doing all that so that he could be well adjusted, like give him the best foot forward because he was going to live with a dog that had issues. And it's not like they can't see each other when she's kenneled, he can see her, he can hear her reactions. I didn't want him to think that was normal. And then again, it goes a bit back to his breeding too. I really looked for dogs that had stable temperaments that, um, that were proven. And the breeder I got him from actually gives it and I know it's a weird thing, but he gave a two-year temperament guarantee. And I'm not really sure how you would, <laughs> how people would return a dog on temperament necessarily. And it wasn't that I thought I would want to do that. But what I loved about the fact that he offered that guarantee is it tells me he knows his lines well enough. He can 
pretty be pretty positive what they're going to be like when they grow up and that was attractive to me so then when we knew we had this dog with the right start from breeding we could just build on it so we did um, classes right away when he was younger I put him through like puppy parkour and did some of the puppy classes at hightails and got him into training and into weight pull and bite sports right from a puppy so that he could get out and experience life and I think that was a key for him and I think you also did play sessions with him with really awesome dogs. Yes, for sure. At Hightails, we did. We, that's what I mean. Like by exposing him to dogs, I, I made sure I was picky about the dogs he got to play with at first so that he had lots of good experiences so that he wasn't affected as much by Ripley, like to think that, oh God, I'm, I've come. And I mean, the poor dog went through the journey from hell to get up here through COVID it took me a week and a half to get him through transport companies and crossing the border because it was right at the beginning of COVID. And the fact that he came through that and didn't even bat an eye, I'm like, okay, we're, we've got some good stuff to work with. So I got him into routine and meeting dogs and doing all that right from the young age. I mean, and I, like you said earlier, I have big power breeds. So people have a lot of thoughts about what they're like. And even with them, you still follow the things that you learn it still works even when you have these big dogs and big personalities and stuff I also think people find it really surprising when you have a dog like Ripley like a Corso that they want to assume it's aggression and it's not with her and like I still even get that a bit and I I'm like no man you really have to know her if you watch her body language and you're in my home you see it's fear it's all lack of confidence and fear and like we've worked really hard to fix that but it's funny like I, I know people don't see them that way they think they're big and scary and she's more afraid of you than you are of her <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ripley's really cool because when you see her being confident and relaxed she's just a sweetheart and just a stellar working dog yeah smart as a whip and like just loves to please mm-hmm. when she's not having the anxieties <laughs> well that's awesome Amanda thank you okay. for chatting with us about your dogs yeah no problem I enjoyed it I can talk about dogs and my dogs all day long, but (laughs) (laughs) we talk about our own dogs sometimes because we're kind of making ourselves vulnerable in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Jade and I recorded one, just the two of us talking about my little American Eskimo. And uh, even the thought of it makes me a little uncomfortable putting that out there to the public. Like I, but it's, it makes it a little scary for me to put it out there to the public, but I think that's key to make ourselves vulnerable to help educate the average people. Well, and that's, that's just important. It. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's kind of why I'm like, I'm when DJ asked me to do this, I'm like, yeah, no problem. Because if I can, talking about my dogs can make someone more comfortable um, in their own situation, then that's great. And I think, and I find that gets the buy-in best from the students is knowing that I live with the same problems. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you'd like more information, don't forget to check out our website, our Facebook group, our page, and our blog posts.